we're here again with weighing in another show. Um, you know, and Big John and I are happy to be here. Let's uh, give us a little quick official high five. High five. <laughs> Boom. Got it. <laughs> uh, look, that's producer Dave's uh, nonsense. We, that's we thought horrible. We, we thought we'd give it a try, though. We'll see how Man. it looks. If it turns out really cool on the actual video, then I'll, I'll go. <laughs> I'll give him a, give him a real high five in person. But yeah, there you um, go. All right. Well, you know what? This is. Uh, this, this is the week we talk about Bellator. We talked about UFC last week, or last, a couple days ago, and then now we're going to talk about Bellator because we have a lot of great shows coming up, and next week... Uh, two shows in two days. Two shows in two days. Huge show in uh, Dublin, and then even, I think, a little bit bigger show. Obviously, a little bit bigger. In LA with the Featherweight Grand Prix, World Grand Prix, so I got to say World. But look! Look at this! Yes. See that? Yeah. The Irish Bellator shirt f for you because you're going... To the Emerald Isle. I don't even have one of those. I don't. Even, I'm gonna. To, I'm gonna <laughs> hopefully, they have them there when I'm there. Just do what I did. Steal it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how come I don't get boxes of like Bellator stuff uh, in the mail when I come home? I don't get it. I so. know. What's up with that? I know. But the cool thing is, I got like these cool gloves behind me, and I got, yeah, I got you know, no gloves. Yeah, I got. I mean, yeah. hey, I got lucky. I I, I kind of shenanigans. You got that. Yeah, you got you got the the office is right by you, man. You can go anytime you want. Right down the street, and I can pick up any of the stuff I want. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Uh, he just remodeled uh, Coker. Just remodeled the whole uh, set of offices. They used to be the old Strike Force offices. Now they're the uh, Bellator offices. He's got a warehouse there with like all the old from old Strike Force kickboxing and old Strike Force MMA. He's got all the old posters all signed. He's oh, got. It's pretty cool, man. Uh, that is. It's pretty awesome. And he even had a big collage made of all the former Strike Force world champions on there. And it's got all the pictures of every world champion that Strike Force had. It's pretty dope. I thought it was awesome. With a little That's some pretty good fight. That'd be some pretty good fighters on that uh Yeah, it was pretty on awesome. that roll call, man. It's pretty That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Some some of them have been champions in Bellator, Gegard Musasi, you know? Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I did I did Gegard's fight uh when he won the title, and I did Gegard's fight when he lost the title. Who did he but beat for the title? He beat, uh, man, I want to say, because the first time, I think the first time he was in Strike Force, he fought Babalu. Yes. And, and I was like, I was in awe, I'm being honest, of him in that fight. It was almost like at any moment he was going to fall asleep. Yeah. He was that calm. He was just like everything that, and Babalu was trying so hard. And Gegard was just like, eh, there, tick, let me let me touch that one, hit, bip, yeah. bip. And I was like, was? oh my god, it had to be like 2010, maybe 2009. Man, it was a just a, incredible as far as the way he just dismantled him. He had he has that composure about him. That reminds me, obviously, everyone's already made this comparison is of Fedor Milaneko. How they just come out, there's really no expressions on their face. Super nice. And I've talked about this a couple of times, but I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, and they were just talking about, um, basically, he has, like, that big dick confidence. <laughs> it's that, the guy, it just totally makes sense. The guy well, that he's just, saying you know, the, okay, I'm going to give you a story. Uh -huh. He's saying the big dick Confidence, because you know who Burt Kreischer is? Yes, I do. Comedian. Yes. Okay. We are in San Jose, right? Burt Kreischer is coming into the Fairmont where I'm at. I'm going to go into the elevator, and I'm going in the elevator, and, and I see him, and I hold the door, and he, and he goes, thank you, right? And I go, no problem, man. I said, you know, how you doing, right? And he goes, I'm good. 
I said, well, we have a mutual friend, Joe. He goes, oh, my God, I didn't, I didn't know you knew who I was. Yeah. I go, oh, absolutely, right? And so we just talk for a little bit, right? And he gets off on his floor, and I go on my way. And then he's on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he's telling a story. And the story is, you know, that I knew who he was, and he thought that was cool. But then the story was really about Gegard Musasi in the, in the uh, sauna, and that he was hung like a fucking horse, right? <laughs> but he kind of he screwed it up and made it sound like I was hung like a horse. And my friend is listening to the thing, and he calls. He says, dude, this dude's talking about your dick. And I go, what? I go, no, I was never nice. It was all, you know, Gegard is, hey, you know, he's not only world champion, world champion in, in multiple functions. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's got that he, he's hauling hung that's what he yeah, is well, he's hauling hung that's pretty that's crazy it. no but it's it's true though like you, you think about it like that you think like a guy that walks around with that kind of confidence that kind of just that kind of demeanor you're thinking man you you, you definitely walk around with that big dick confidence <laughs> <laughs> but he is one of the, he's one of the nicest guys very humble very you know very but very confident very humble very quiet um but extremely talented, extremely oh. technical. Um, I, I actually, going back to his last fight, even though he lost, but I thought like he just had a hard time waking up in the first two rounds, and then he came, he came alive. Towards he came the, alive but in, in the third that and the last fourth. takedown. But that yeah. last takedown in the fourth. Oh, at, just, at that point, it, at the first off, in the third round, he did more damage to yeah. Lovato than anybody has done in Lovato's entire career. Yeah. That one round, Rafael Lovato Jr. took more damage than in every fight combined that he has had up to that point. And then, fourth round, he had another hard round. And I thought, man, Gegard is just, you know, he's got his number, and I'll give it to Rafael. He came out with a determination. I got to take him down. But if the one thing out of that fight, if you look at what was going on, and it was... It showed how good, because Lovato Jr. is so good on the ground. He is so talented, so technically proficient at everything. Yeah. And you saw that, man, he could not get Gegard. And Gegard got out of a lot of things yeah. that he was trying. And it shows you how talented Gegard is on the ground. He's, you know, his stand-up is freaking awesome. He's got a beautiful jab that he pumps out. His right hand is fantastic. And his grappling game is top-notch. I had never realized until that fight how big Lovato Jr. was more than any other guy at that weight I've ever seen. He's huge. He is oh enormous. God. And then I shook his hand like at the... the Rockhold's the, the one that I put next to him. Yeah, but Luke's tall. Lovato, though, is tall and also thick. Luke is not really that thick. Like, he was a tall, kind of, like, muscular guy, but it's tall, slender, 6'3", you know, that. Yeah. that's Luke. Lovato Jr. is was physically thick and just a big a big guy. I'm like, how, yeah, how in the hell did you make the weight? You know? <laughs> um, but this, and then I shook his hands, I want to say, at the, uh, at the, uh, at when the fighter meetings. And I was like, good God, you got huge hands. Like, your hands are enormous. And he just went all the way around my, my hand and just... <laughs> it was gone. It was gone. I was like, it felt like shaking. I was like shaking Tony Ferguson's hands. Same thing yeah. with him. When I shook his hands with the weigh-ins, I was like, "Good God, your hands are enormous." Um, but you could tell Lovato Junior's jujitsu was great. His stand up was good. But I wanted to talk now that you brought that up about the fight. Did you? Would you have given Gegard 
a 10-8 round in that third round. Oh man, I almost to go had back him here. put him away in the in the I, very yeah. end of that round. He had I could have seen the ref stopping it. It was you know, and and there was one problem with it, and this is the same thing we were talking about last week with what happened between Justin Gaethje. There was probably three seconds left in that round, and this is I talk to people all the time about. You don't realize how much damage can be oh, done yeah. in a couple seconds of time. You know, a guy that is proficient with, you know, his striking will land 15 punches in that three seconds of time. Mm -hmm. It's that fast, and, and it happens that violently. And there was like three seconds left in that round, and Gegard just walked away from him. And I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, but I, I'm going back trying to remember what I scored it because I scored it that night, and I think I scored that one a 10-9, but I, it was – I'm not sure what, what I put. Whatever I said that night, that would be what I would give it. Yeah. I, to touch back on another fight that reminded me of when someone was talking to you about 10 seconds is go back and watch the Rory McDonald and Carlos Condit fight. 10 seconds left in that fight, and, oh. and Rory McDonald was whooping his ass until the end of oh, that third round. Yeah, and then yeah. he Carlos was able to gas him out, put some heavy leather on him with like two and a half minutes left. And Rory yep. just couldn't survive. There was maybe less than 10 seconds in that round. And I'm like, the fight will be over. Don't stop it. Don't stop it. Because I had never to. seen Rory fight, but I was so, <laughs> I was so intrigued by how good this young, talented kid was. And just yeah. doing what he was doing to Carlos Condit was absolutely stunning to me. And I was like, wow, 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds. Just hold on, kid. Hold on. I didn't even know his name at the time. Come on, kid. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> And and the ref jumped in and stopped. I was like, no. I mean, what is wrong with you? you know, know. That, ref, that referee is from Vancouver. Oh, man. The referee of that fight was a guy named Kevin Dornan. He's a great guy. And look, he's, a, he's in a position, you know, yeah. Rory is a hometown boy. I know. And he took care of him like he was supposed to because Rory could have been seriously hurt. Yeah. Carlos could have done some serious damage to him. And it's, it's not worth it. It's a fight. And that's the whole point is. It's not the end of the world if you lose a fight. Obviously, you don't want to. Obviously, it's important. I'm, I'm trying to win. But if you lose, learn from it, come back, be better, and you're going to win the next time. I look at it also, too, when he went, when that fight happened, it maybe was an eye-opening experience for Rory McDonald because had he beat Carlos Conde, he would have just kept doing the same things he was doing, not realizing that his conditioning at the end of the round, when he would have got to somebody at like a GSP level that he, even though Carlos was always up there at the top, at that moment in his career, he wouldn't have been ready for it. He could have potentially got seriously hurt by getting knocked out, and his career would have been a different path. So you, I can look at it in a bunch of different ways, and that's one way I, that I mainly would look at that fight is there was, there was moments in my career where the loss actually did me best. It did me, it, it did me so absolutely. much. Absolutely. You know, and, um, and I feel like that was, I think for him, that was a great eye-opening experience where he just realized, I got to get in a little bit better shape. I have to understand these guys are going to keep coming, you know, with two There's minutes There's going to be a push. Yeah, two minutes. Because I had him winning the rounds easily in the first two rounds. It looked like Carlos didn't even belong in the, in the fight with him. But then Carlos <laughs> just kept doing what he's doing, very much how Gegard did with uh, Lovato Jr. He just let Lovato Jr. do what he was doing for the first two rounds, weather the storm, and started putting it on him in the third and the fourth. And uh -huh. people, that, people that haven't seen that fight, you guys got to go back and watch that fight. It was one of the... the it started off like, oh man, this is gonna be one of those like jujitsu 
fights. I don't really care. And and then the, by the end of the second round, I was like, oh, wow, there's some something going on. And oh, then, this is a good fight. And then Gegard just in the third just was like, hey, once he couldn't get the takedown anymore against Le- Lovato Jr. couldn't get the takedown anymore, what a fight. I mean, it all came to that fifth round. It was amazing. What an amazing yeah. fight. You know, it, one of the things when you're, you're talking about fights and people sometimes they're looking at someone and he's getting beat, sometimes he knows Look, I'm going to get beat in the first couple of rounds here. Yeah. I have to go through this this war, this battle, this attrition with this person because physically I can't overwhelm this guy. Physically, he he outmatches me in places, but if I'm smart, I can take this fight into deep waters, into that third, fourth, fifth round and get my win by just staying with him and making him work at a pace during those first two rounds. And, and it's something you learn. I used to do boxing, and I had a 10-round fight with uh, Buddy McCurt as the uh, trainer, and, and his fighter is getting whooped in the first round, second round, third round, fourth round. He's he's really, you know, having problems. So here comes the, you know, it's the, between the fourth and fifth, and I go over to the corner, and I, I'm looking, and I say, hey, Buddy, you know, be sure you're watching your fighter. He goes, John, it's a, it's a long fight. He goes, we have a plan. Just let him be. I go, I'll let him be as long as he's fighting. He goes, okay, just watch. And sure enough, fifth round, sixth round, he starts winning these rounds and is like, okay, I just learned a lesson myself. Just shut the hell up. Well, (laughs) it it is true. I learned a lot throughout my career that I knew I was never the guy that was going to knock you out. I didn't have big power in my hands. I I had kicks, you know, and stuff like that. I utilized those the best I could. But what I did is I utilized like my push kicks and my kicks to the body a lot to help try and get your cardio to go down. So it was like almost like playing a video game. The more I kicked you to the body and the more I push kicked you to the body, I was th- hoping your conditioning would get down. And then also too, I would clinch you a lot in the early rounds to take away that explosiveness and that power out of you. Because if you notice- Get those arms heavy. And get the arms heavy. The pop on your punches are not the same. I always knew I was never the strongest guy. I was never, I was, I had a good speed. You know, but I was never the strongest. I never hit the hardest. I never had a lot of power. So I had to utilize all those things, like my conditioning and my clinch and my grappling and my wrestling to try and tire people out to fight my fight. And then I knew it, like, as the fight went on after the first round, going in the second, I was like, all right, now you got to start picking up the pace, making them fight your fight. Now you can start touching them using your speed. And that's how I, that's how majority of my fights I ended up having to fight because I always knew I pretty much probably wasn't going to win the first round. You know, I had to find ways to try and get into the second, the third round without getting knocked out. And I had to, and I had to make sure that I was so aggressive in the second and the third to win the round because it's hard. It's hard when you're only doing a three-round fight and you're giving yeah. away one round. It, you're banking on, you're really betting on yourself to get the job done on the second and the third. So, you're banking on your cardio, but yeah. if you know that you can push that pace, yeah. it's hard. It's so hard when you have a guy that is pushing you at a pace that is uncomfortable for you, mm-hmm. and you're doing everything you can to slow it down, but you're not able to if that person is not getting hurt by what you're doing and is just able to continue with what they're doing. And eventually, man, your heart rate is so high, you just, there goes there goes the footing, it goes out, the cliff starts to fall out from underneath you, and it's just a tidal wave that just keeps on pouring over your head and you can't get to the surface. It's horrible. So, uh... I guess to, to move on to the to the Dublin show, let's talk about Dublin a little bit, the Bellator Dublin show. Let's talk about um, what fight are you most excited to see? I there's a I'm I'm most excited honestly for the MVP uh, Kylie fight. 
I, I look at that fight and I see so many. Kylie is a very good kickboxer, and he's very much like MVP. He takes that sideways karate stance. It can either be a really incredible fight or it's going to be this boring fight. <laughs> yes. It might be because both of them are counterfighters, and a lot of times when you put two counterfighters together, they just wait and wait and wait, and they try to, you know, they're, they're giving feints and they're, they're giving movement and they're trying to set traps and then neither guy's biting on it, and it just ends up being, oh, God, it, it turned out horrible. But there are times when both counterfighters know, well, he likes to counter. I'm going to have to take I'm gonna take chances. I'm going to have to open up in certain points, and it becomes just an incredible fight. And I watch what was going on mentally between the two because Kyle is trying to get into MVP's head. He is working him hard, and he is going to have that hometown crowd behind him. They are going to go nuts for him. It's going to be a good fight, I think. I think in the end, I think MVP is actually a little bit faster than Kylie, and I think that might be the difference, but I do think it's going to be a fun fight. I think the range of MVP will dictate the pace. I also think the speed of MVP will dictate where the fight goes and how much and how often he decides to hit him. Um the distance, obviously, the the length of MVP is going to be the issue for Kylie. That's a, that's a, that's a difficult thing for everybody. Yeah. but Kylie's not. He's a, he's six one and he's pretty long himself. So yeah, I I, I've, I understand that, but he doesn't have the speed. No, there, he doesn't. Have it the is speed. the difference. The other thing that he doesn't have is that although we do like people are talk about MVP, like oh, if the fight goes to the ground. Well, he's been on the ground a bunch of times, and he has a, he has a, he has a couple submission wins. Yeah, he had a, I've I've had him with submission victories. You know, he pulled off a he pulled off a toe hold, yep. almost inverted heel hook at the yep. same time. I was like, "Where the hell did you learn that?" So but, that's what I'm trying to get at is that I wouldn't be surprised if MVP threatened it, only to open up his stand up more, threatening the takedown, potential submissions, things like that. Because he can go ahead and live outside the box. He's not worried about somebody else always trying to take him down. That's what normally. That's normally what he fights. Yeah, he uh, doesn't have that that problem at all in this fight. No, in this fight, he understands this fight will be all on the feet if he wants it to be. And I think he has the advantage in the wrestling as well as the submission department. And uh, definitely. And that that changes the game. If you threaten it just a tiny bit, that will change how Kylie fights him, and that'll slow things down a little bit slower than what he is already slower than MVP. So MVP is already faster than him. Now he's going to have to be, Kyle's going to have to be a little bit more hesitant on things because of the takedown, which will open up the striking, the kicks, and all those things a little bit more, which gives MVP the opportunity to knock him out on the feet or get the takedown. So I, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm leaning towards MVP. My, my only concern with MVP is how is he mentally after that nasty knockout by Lima? You know, it's a it's a question, and you never know how someone deals with that first loss. But he's a smart guy, mm-hmm. and I think he learned a lesson. And it's like, huh? You just you know what? You just can't pop yourself up in every position. You got to be smart about how you get up. You got to be spinning your body so your head's back out of the way. If I end up having to stay on the ground, then I'll stay on the ground. I just can't just bring myself up. But he he's fighting a a pretty elite fighter in Douglas Lima. Of course. You know, most of the time you're going to get away with what he did. It was just that Douglas Lima was able to catch him at that moment, hit him with a good, great shot, and it put him out. And anybody 
can get put out with the right shot. Especially Anybody. by Douglas Lima. <laughs> Especially by uh, my my concern. My concern will always be with guys like MVP is one knockout like that or two knockouts like that, or they start to kind of physically slow down as they get a little bit older, that the potential of getting caught happens a lot more frequently. We saw it a little bit with Roy Jones. We see it with Anderson Silva. We see it with guys that have that style of just the flashiness, the counter-striking. And my concern is mentally, is he able to recover from that as well as Will his will his chin his is his chin going to hold up? Now look, I know it's only his first loss. And on top of that, it's the first time he's ever been knocked out. But those are questions I think that need to be answered, and we're going to find out in this fight. And that's what's that's what's great about fighting is that we're, we're going to get those answers that night in Dublin. Oh, yeah. We're going to find out in that arena that night if he's hesitant, if he's gun shy, if he just wants to get back on the winning track. We're going to find out all those things on that night. That's what that's what's great about this. But I just hope that we see the old MVP come back and keep doing what he's doing. And I'd like to see him mix in the wrestling a little bit, only because I know that that will open up his striking for more of a potential knockout. I think, honestly, I think we're going to see in him just a more mature, improved version of the MVP that we've had in the past. I, he's he's special. And there are those special guys. That, if you're going to say, if I was going to match the, the perfect fight, would be MVP and Ray Daniels. Yes. <laughs> I would love to watch that fight. 100%. You know, you, know, you watch that one, that's like, but I'll give it, see, that's the uh, that's the A-plus and the A-plus, you know, going at it. This one is, I got I got MVP, he's the A-plus, but Richard Kiley, he's right there. He, he's, an, he's an A-minus at, at, the, at the least. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun fight. But I also, the, the Benson Henderson- Miles Jury fight is going to be an interesting fight. Well, Miles Jury is a lot different fighter than what he was in the past and does things in a certain way that he can catch you. He's very much like an Adam Piccolotti. And you saw that Adam Piccolotti, you, you even said before that fight, he was going to give Benson some problems, and he did. And I think Miles Jury is going to give Benson some problems in this fight. Well, you tell me why you think. Is it because of the grappling, because of, of that style that he has that's going to give him problems? Or is it because he's just the younger fighter that just going to push, try to push the pace that may get Benson out of his rhythm? If you're looking at guys that gave Benson problems, they were always guys that had length. Mm -hmm. Guys that have length start to give him problems. Guys that are shorter and don't have that reach, he tends to do very well with. You know, Frank, Frankie Edgar is just a phenomenal fighter. But Benson did well with him because he wasn't that big, long, lanky guy. If you look at the people that tend to give Benson a little bit more, it's that little bit longer fighter than he is. They don't have to be much taller, but if you look at the reach difference, there's a couple inches in reach difference between whoever it is and Benson. That tends to make him hesitate in what he's doing. Benson, first off, is a... He's a slow starter. It's just part of his fight game. He wants to go out there and he wants to push the action, but he is looking for those tells that someone's going to give him that, okay, I can take advantage of that. And he hesitates and he waits instead of, if I see the tell and I see it again, let me go after it. Don't sit there and wait. And he's got to get that going. He's got to get You know, One of the things I've always thought is Benson Henderson is a better five-round fighter than he is a three-round fighter, and it's because of that slow start and him trying to figure out his opponent and how he's going to best atta attack him. 
He's not going to have that with Jury, and this is going to be a three-round fight. Jury being long, Jury's got good kicks. Uh, they're not as heavy as Benson. He's got a very good jab. His ground game is outstanding. He's a lot better fighter than most people realize, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna give Benson some uh, some issues in the fight. We've done the last two times we've done fighter meetings with Benson. I've asked him the same question every single time to start the conversation: Is um, have we been working on a faster start? Because it's horrible, and and, and I, <laughs> I I think a lot of it comes from the fact that he's fought so many championship fights. You know, he was the WC champion. He was the UFC yep. champion for so many years. And all he fought and all he did was get ready for five-round fights. And even when he wasn't the champion, he was the main event for fights. And when you're the main event, you're a five-round fighter. You know, in the UFC, you are not here yeah. in Bellator, which is nice because yeah. I, I, don't, I never really cared for that because you're making a lot more money off me and, and I'm putting more wear and tear on my body. You know, <laughs> and there's, there's it's really all, you know, also one of the things with the five-round fights, and they wear on you and they, they yeah. wear you out as a fighter. They they put more mileage on you. I've said this. And for, I've said you this. You can only have so much mileage on you before you're in trouble. Well, I've said this for years. I said what they're doing is they are charging. They're they're basically paying you what you were getting paid from before for a five round fight for a title fight, and you're given a title fight every time you're in the you're in the in the the main event main position, event. and you're you're losing miles. I remember it's not just the five round fight and. There that night, it's the five rounds in the gym. Every time you spar, it's the five rounds of grappling. Every time you grapple, it's the five rounds of wrestling. Every time you wrestle, it's you're guaranteed to just do that amount of rounds. It's the extra miles you're having to run. It's yeah, exactly. It's more time in the gym, more more wear and tear on your body, and then the longevity of your career shortens because of that. So the and they're paying the same price. For that for that title fight, and they're making more money off of it, but it's you're not getting a title out of it. You're not getting any more money out of it. I'm not, you know, and that was always my criticism for that is that um, for that. But look, my my to go back to Miles Jury and to to Benson, my ordeal with with Benson is that he's a slow starter, and I've always felt that sure he's a black belt in jujitsu, but he never showcases his jujitsu actual jujitsu sure he's flexible sure he's good at avoiding submissions he's more of an anti-grappler than he is an actual real jujitsu player um that's my personal opinion like that's i have the experience of sharing the cage with him for rounds and i felt like the the positions the the way for me to beat him was to out grapple him and in the first two rounds i did slow down in the third and basically lost the next three rounds on some judges cards but whatever anyways so but we in into that position though is broken thumb kind of slows you down too yeah it does but it is what it is <laughs> but i that's why when we talked about adam piccolotti fighting him um that was my my thing is adam to me is is a phenomenal grappler. Miles Jury, a phenomenal grappler. But can Miles close the distance and get the takedown against Benson? Benson's got good takedown defense, but can he punch his way in to get to the takedown and not just try to shoot raw dog with no setup? Because if he does that... I don't know if he, I don't know if he wants to shoot takedowns on him. You know, I'm being honest. I don't think he wants to just shoot takedowns. I mean, I, he'll go to the ground with him, no doubt, if yeah. given the right opportunity. But I think he's gonna. It's same as you know when he fought Donald Cerrone, he wanted to be in the standup, but he wanted to go to the ground. But he wasn't shooting takedowns on Donald. He was trying to light him up with shots, get into a good position to go for the takedown. He wasn't taking you know, any any freestyle 
shots from the outside. But what I mean is like getting to the body lock, getting to the takedown, getting to, into that clinch area is kind of what I'm talking about. The other yeah. thing as well is I feel like the guys that overwhelm Benson are the guys that have success. So if you can outgrapple him, you'll have success. If you start off fast, you'll have success. If you can overwhelm him, you'll you'll have success. As what I mean by that is like if you look at um Dos Anjos, if you look at him, how he just he didn't wait for Benson to get back to his feet and start fighting like a lot of people do. They were in a mix. And when he didn't let Benson start to get back to his feet, and it was boom, boom, hit him. He wasn't letting him get back up. Okay, let's square off and let's fight. A yep. lot of guys have no, that no tendency. No backing out. There's no backing out. Like, if you put the pressure on him and make him fight a dog fight, he, I think he'll lose the exchanges in, the, in, those, in those type of situations. So I think if, if Miles can make it a dog fight, he's got a good chance. And you saw that in the earlier rounds, too, with Michael Chandler. Benson Benson was uh sorry about that. Benson it's was right. Benson was losing the exchanges in the wrestling and in the striking in the beginning part of the first and somewhat into the second round because Chandler was more explosive. Chandler was putting the pace on him and just being overly aggressive. Now Chandler gassed out, you know, as, as the fight went on because <laughs> yeah, of that. Man. Because of that, but then he he won those rounds because of how aggressive he was and Benson just did, does what he does by its time and just let you weather the storm but this is a three-round fight and not a five-round fight like he had against yeah. other guys where he could get through it yeah I, the, I think the three rounds to i had talked to his coach long ago john crouch who i, I really enjoy being yeah. around and stuff and you know we've we've had back and forth about a lot of things but i had talked to him i said john if i was you i, I would never put him in anything but a five-round fight yeah. he just starts too slow and he goes, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. And I go, you know, I totally understand. I go, he's just waiting. Mm -hmm. He's waiting when there's – if I can see the opportunity, he should be taking advantage of that opportunity. Yep. And that's really what it is. He's got to just go. Well, John Crouch, we've been waiting for – we're working on it for, what, three years now, four years now? <laughs> More than that. Yeah, time, time's ticking, buddy. Time's ticking. Yeah. Look, and the, I think I think Miles is going to be the guy that tries to put it, take it to him, and if that happens, maybe we'll get the best out of Benson because of it. Because I felt like we got the best out of Benson when Adam took it to him as well. And then it causes that scrambles. It's almost like he, he needs someone to get in his grill and get up in his ass to, make, to light a fire in it so he can start moving and getting into a rhythm and right away. Otherwise, if you just stand on the outside and let him dig, and you're letting his opponent dictate the pace, Ben will just sit there and just wait for you to do it to make a mistake. And in the process, Ben could be losing the round. He could be. He's been on the he's been on the uh, on the the positive side of decisions where I mean, we've all kind of figured that we thought he lost. You know, I felt like he lost the Gilbert fight. I felt like he lost the second Frankie Edgar fight. I'm obviously I'm really biased when I say I feel like he lost to me, but those are <laughs> those are fights. Those are fights that like, you know a lot of people talked about it being that those were fights that he just he was able to to win on a judge's decision. That scares me in a three round fight, and he hasn't had that same luck in Bellator like he did in the UFC. No, the, the you know the decisions have not been going his way in the in Bellator, and, and that's when you have a close fight. That's the way it is. Yeah. I mean. It's not the judging of a fight is not exactly an easy thing, anyways. But people need to understand a judge, although they're sitting cage side, they only get one angle of the fight, and many times they don't get it. What is you know the best shot, the best punch, the best kick? They can't even see it because the angle is wrong. The referee's in the way. There's all kinds of things that happen, and that's what can happen when you are fighting. You know, and it's a close fight. You can end up thinking you win. 
and the judges go the other way. You can't, you know, there's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Yep. Hey, can I just ask you guys to clarify one thing as well? Um, so yeah. Bellator um, done the European series, or doing the European series, right? Um, but also the same night as, as the Dublin card is Bellator 227. Same arena, same everything. But they're, they're, they have it listed as two different shows, right? They have the Bellator uh, European series, which is three main Channel 5. Fights. It's Channel 5. It's Paramount. It's all the same. It's all the same. Go ahead, John. I'll let you explain because you'll do it better than I do. Here, here's, your, here's your big difference. When you have a Bellator European series, that is being shown on two things, Channel 5 and Sky TV, which is all European channels. The only way you in the U.S. can see it is if you check and go on to the Bellator app and watch it on the Bellator app. That's the European series. What you're seeing with 227, which is – Bellator at Dublin, Ireland, that is on Paramount. That's going to be shown here in the States on Paramount. It will also be shown in Europe on Channel 5 and Sky TV. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just confused these fans a lot when because it's the same night, it's the same venue, it's the same everything, but it's two different shows, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, so there, there's a deal set in place for Channel 5 and Sky TV so that they have exclusive rights to watch that there. And you can still watch it, though, but you have to watch it on the Bellator app. Okay. So I think okay. fans will just appreciate that. Yeah, quality. yeah. They, just so people understand, it's it's not you can't you're not going to watch it on the zone. You're going to watch it on the Bellator app. Same, same as like with 228, which is in L.A., that is on the zone. Mm -hmm. No one else gets it. That you've got to pick up the streaming app of DAZN to if you want to watch those fights, that's where you're going to see it. Paramount doesn't get it. The Bellator app doesn't put it out. No one has it. It's DAZN. Is that clear for you, Scotty? Yeah. yeah. I, I call I call him Scotty because he's from Scotland. Well, what fight are you looking forward to? As far as you're going, you've been you've been checking on these fighters, doing all the work, getting ready for this thing. You know, it's which which one are you looking forward to? It, it really was the Benson fight, but to be honest, it was it was um the Tuck and Gertz fight, which unfortunately yeah. just got pulled off. John, that was a good going to be a good fight. That to me was going to be a great fight because Gertz was going to try to try to finish him because Tuck's never been finished, and that there was a lot of comfort, you know talk going back and forth about I'm going to be the first guy to finish him. I would I really wanted to see that fight. Thought that was a great fight, and then. You know, and then uh, Cal Eleanor, he came off the card as well. So those were the fights. Yeah. Those were the two fights, honestly. Because that was the Cal Eleanor versus Gallagher fight. Yes, people don't know who Cal Eleanor is. He's a good fighter. Yep. He beat Nathan Grayson in his last fight. Nathan Grayson is an athlete. Yep, and took his time. Nick Grayson was going after him. Did everything smart. Made all of a sudden Nathan Grayson makes one mistake. Here comes Cal Eleanor. Boom. He ends up. Submitting him, he's a good fighter, and he was someone that you could look at and say he can definitely beat Gallagher. This is going to be an interesting matchup because they both are ground game guys. Neither one is, you know, fantastic in the stand-up. So you figured it was going to go to the ground. So now who's got the ground game that's going to be the one that's going to take control of this fight? Yeah, that that was that was a fight that really interests me because I actually started to develop like a good friendship with Cal Eleanor, and I obviously like I really like James Gallagher, but Cal Eleanor just seemed like a really good guy. Watched his fight with Nathan Grayson. I expected him. I didn't expect him to be so dominant in that fight, 
especially after seeing Nathan Grayson's performances before leading up to that fight. I was like, wow, the athleticism, this and that. Just everything, that, all the research I did on Grayson before that fight, I was like, wow, he should probably walk right through Cal Eleanor. And Eleanor just was like, stayed calm, composed, and yeah. just dismantled him. Just did everything he yep. had to do to get that win. And so this was like his next stepping stone for him to catapult himself into that upper echelon of athletes and getting ready to getting closer to a title shot and that to me would have been huge so he was talking a lot of snap too man he was definitely going after Gallagher so it was like oh this will be interesting yeah I thought I thought it was great because you could have seen it at the presser you could have seen it at the weigh-ins you could have seen that night how it would all played out and I love I loved everything leading up to it but Hey, things happen for a reason. Um, I did hear, though, today that Cal Eleanor was approved by the commission this morning, but obviously the fight has already been changed, that there is the potential of Cal Eleanor and James Gallagher potentially fighting in a, in a show coming up sometime before the New Year's. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. That they, It's apparently like the they were talking about the, the scans, they, that they were obviously not good, but then they've done a couple more scans and – Everything has turned out to be not what it was thought to be. Thought to be, yeah. Yes, which is good because he's got a new baby. He has two kids. He has a new little a new little baby. And it's nice to hear that things like that, that something like yeah. that is good. I, I'm happy for him. Talking about a guy with a baby, what yeah. do you think of the signing of Nick Newell? I absolutely love it. So do I. I absolutely love it. I think he's, you know, he's going to cause problems in the lightweight division. He yeah. is that good. Yep. You know, he is going to give a lot of people a giant headache. Yeah. Yeah, people. people it's it's going to be fun to watch. People don't know what to do with him, you know, and people don't realize, you know, he's only got what, two losses? Yep. Yeah, two losses. One of them is Justin Gaethje. <laughs> you know what I mean? Once to Justin Gaethje, I'm like, you guys, calm down. Like, he's not, people keep overreacting to the fact, like, Oh well, you know he he's not going to be as good as a. That's bullshit. He's freaking good. He's talented. He's got he's got good submissions. You know he's very calm and composed. The way he dismantled Corey Brown, I was like, all right, that shows that he's you know he's definitely talented on the on the ground. Showed us some stand up in that fight. Look, he just also too he's had so so much time off, you know, and the inactivity of not having consistent fights. And I think him now understanding that he has a place he can call home in Bellator. He's just going to be training full time, and we're just going to see him progressively get better and better. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see him. I'm a big Same fan. Thing. I've always been a big fan. I'm a big. I'm fan. a huge. I'm a huge. I love people that you know don't take what people tell them as far as oh you can't, oh you shouldn't. They never. They don't. Say, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do, yeah. and that's what I love about Nick Newell and other guys. You know, there was there was a kid, and you know him, Anthony Robles, who used to wrestle at Arizona State. Mm -hmm. You know, became NC two A champion, hundred twelve, one leg. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you wrestle him, all of a sudden it's like, holy Christ! Everything that I've gotten used to doing doesn't work against him because that that other appendage is not there, and he knows how to get out of this. Mm -hmm. it, it is not easy. What Nick Newell does, you know, he's got that short arm, but he's able to utilize that thing in chokes. That you and I can't do. Yeah, I, I was doing a grappling thing with Baxter Humby, who was you know the, the one arm bandit for, from kickboxing, multiple world world title winner, you know, great guy. And I'm grappling with him. He keeps on sticking his arm in my throat. And I'm like, I'll tell you what, that's a pain in the ass. <laughs> and I kept moving it out and doing stuff, and you know, and I was trying to see how good he was at certain things. And it was like, when you're not used to a guy that has you know an appendage that's missing or different. 
they can they have figured out what to do with that in ways that we just haven't figured out. Sometimes you, you can get caught, and man, the squeeze that they can uh, just create at times is it's incredible, and that's what Nick Newell brings. Yeah, I, I agree. You brought up Anthony Robles is because we talked to. I had talked with uh, Kane Velasquez, who was at Arizona State, Ryan Bader, and all those guys. And it's they develop things, their body develops differently, like the grip strength that he had to deal with being on crutches a lot and then working, you know, whatever it was throughout his process of, of making sure he could wrestle. Their grip strength is different. Their back strength is different. You know, all those things are different. So their body has strengths in areas that you're, most people don't have strengths in those areas. You know, um, his one leg is obviously going to be a lot stronger. Oh, he was a lot had bigger. Two legs. You yeah. know what I mean? So those are all things that that come along with that. And yep. uh, I do remember there was a wrestler when I was wrestling in college. There, was, his name was Cosmo something, but he was uh, he had no legs. He was from the knees down. He had no legs. And everyone's like, oh, I'm going to work this guy. They kind of almost didn't want to wrestle him. He used to fuck people up. Like he, his, his back strength, his, his grip strength, all that stuff. And what are you going to do? You can't shoot on him. His neck strength, because everyone tried to hang on his head, because he was you know, basically on his wrestling on his knees. Yeah. And he just, no one could get, his neck strength was so strong. I mean, he would just take guys down. Had no problem getting in on the double A, because he was already way shorter than everyone. He's like hey, just well, shooting he's, in on. He's already he's, drop level. <laughs> yeah, and then people were trying to get down to his level to wrestle him, which is he was used to that. And yeah. then you're already at a disadvantage because that's not how you normally wrestle. No, you played another so, man's game. Exactly. So uh, I, I I agree with everything you were talking about. It, it is different. And I think Nick Newell, po he possesses those type of threats against people that aren't used to fighting someone like that. Yeah. You know, and Nick's been dealing with that his whole life. You know, he's had to find ways around on what, how he can use his his arm to his benefit. And he's he's obviously had success doing it. And I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm well, excited had, and thrilled for he's him. He's had major success. I, I think they're supposed to be – he's going to be fighting on the uh, – one of the uh, Mohegan Sun cards in October, so I can't wait to watch him. Yeah, he's from Connecticut, right? Yep, perfect place yeah. for him. Perfect for that. And we have two cards that in, in Mohegan. What is it, the 27th, 28th, I believe, of October? I was thinking 20, no, 25th, 26th. Okay, okay, okay. Get your uh, dates right, mister. All the dates are off, man. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, I'm just one, I'm one show at a time right now. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> so, but I'm excited. Um, all right, L.A., let's talk L.A. Let's talk LA, man. I see. I I've not only gotten past my LA. I've, I'm all the way through my Pachanga, so I'm I'm ready, man. I'm ready to go. Let's go. You're an what do you want to know man. about LA since you're not gonna be there, you bum? I know. Hey, it's not my fault. <laughs> I you, know you, it's not, man. You gotta talk. You gotta talk to the higher ups, man. I'm a little. <laughs> I'm a little upset. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a Goldie on. Uh, I'm gonna pull a Goldie right now. Be mad. <laughs> I'm pretty mad. I'm like, oh. Well, no, I, I'm actually I'm upset that I'm not going to be there working the show, obviously. But it's not even so much that I'm mad that they changed my flight, and then yeah. I'm actually flying while the fights are going on. I can't even watch it. You talked to me about yeah. I think like watch on the zone as long as they can stream it. But if it streams on Delta, I know ah, I'm gonna have to figure it out. <laughs> well, I'll, ah, that sucks. But I'll get I'll get it sorted out. I'll, I'll take my iPad on the on the thing, and hopefully I can stream it from you know from there. We'll get it sorted out. Tell me, let's talk about that card. I mean, obviously the featherweight Grand Prix, and then um, Gegard's fight. What fight are you looking out of all the fights? What are you looking forward to? You know, it's so. The, the, I love the featherweight Grand Prix, and it's so matched up well. The styles, and, and it just depends on does this fighter 
Darian Caldwell's fighting Henry Corrales. And in that, I look and I go, man, Darian is a dynamite wrestler. He's very slick. <clears throat> if you're gonna if you're gonna beat Henry Corrales, how do you beat him? You wrestle him. You make him you make him wrestle. You put him you know up against the cage. You make him work. You take him out of the range that he's comfortable in. He likes to get into slinging gunfights. And Darian Caldwell is the guy that you know he can do everything needed to beat Henry Corrales. But Henry Corrales has that it factor, and that it factor is. He is someone who will absolutely die to beat you. He has no quit in him. You will never see him stop in a fight. You'll never see him tap in a fight. He's the guy that you have got to beat. You're never going to break him. That's not going to happen. He has got that man mentality of, hey, whatever happens, this is where I want to be, and he just goes for it. And he's dangerous at all times because he does have power in his hands. And he's gotten better with his defensive wrestling. It used to be he was fairly easy to take down. Now he's not. Now, does that mean that Darian, you know, is the guy with his skill, you know, skill set? I would say yes, I think Darian could take him down. But that I think is gonna be a great fight. If Darian fights the way he did against Horaguchi, he's gonna have problems. He's gonna have problems. Um. Okay, let's 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 talk this real quick. <laughs> you said I I said Saul Rogers in the tournament was the best wrestler, and you said, "Oh, come on, yeah, you no, can't no, say no, that." No, 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 no. Let me, I'm not let, saying I think that I think that your dark horse pick with Sal is a great pick. Let's clarify. <laughs> let's clarify. Let's clarify. <laughs> let's make this. Let's point this out. Darian Caldwell has the accolades of the better wrestler. Okay. Saul Rogers is the better MMA wrestler. Well, hold on. Dar I, I, I'm going to ask you something right now. We're going to okay. put Sal Rogers against Darian Caldwell wrestling match. Go. Who wins, Darian, Josh? Dar Darian. Oh, so who's the better wrestler? Saul. <laughs> Because if they were to wrestle, if they were to wrestle in, M if they were wrestling an MMA fight, we're talking MMA, right? We're not talking wrestling we are talking mats. MMA. We That's are talking the MMA. point. Saul Rogers is the better MMA wrestler. Okay, now, that's where I disagree with you in the fact that Sal Rogers is the better MMA grappler because he sets himself up for his ground and pound, which is vicious, and he's got good takedowns. He's not a great you know, wrestling takedown guy, super strong. He's very athletic, but man, when he gets you down, he pounds on you. He yes. postures and he creates space to hurt you. Yes. That's what yes. Darian doesn't do. Darian yes. doesn't create that space. Darian keeps his head down like a wrestler because he can control and doesn't create the situations that are going to win him that fight. No, I okay. Look, I agree with you. No, I don't agree with you. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't agree with you. with you at all. I don't agree with you okay. at all. Look, Darian, you want to agree with me because you no, know I'm no, right. no, no. You're not. You're not right. Oh, we're so talking. Right. We're not talking wrestling, Matt. Wrestling. Darian's a better wrestling, Matt. Wrestler. That's. I think that's. that's there's no one's gonna deny that. I mean, they'd be retarded. No, I shouldn't say that. Ridiculous <laughs> is what the word I was looking for. Ridiculous to say that, but. 
Saul Rogers is the better MMA wrestler. I think he punches to the clinch, gets the takedown, gets the double leg, lifts really well, nasty on the on the ground once he gets you on top, once he gets on top of you. He is the better MMA wrestler. When it comes to putting the combinations together, closing the distance, he does it better than Darian Caldwell does. He does it better than anybody else in this tournament. That was my point. So am I right or am I wrong? No, I agree with you. That there, Sal that's all Rogers, I want to hear. No, no, just on, stop there. Just stop there. So I don't want to hear anything else. There because you I want, to, I want that put on replay. I want uh, that put on replay. I agree with Josh Thompson. <laughs> I agreed with Josh Thompson. I want that put on replay. Uh, no, go ahead. Sal explain. Rogers is a phenomenal fighter and that most people don't know. Yeah. And that's one of the big things. Most people have no idea who he is, and he is a beast. He is that good, and he's that good at just forcing his will upon you you know his fight against daniel weichel that's one where i'm going back to the old school daniel weichel is the old school he's been in a lot of you know big battles he's got a ton of skill i don't know that he can handle what sal rogers brings yeah. that's going to be a tough fight for him so for me i pick i i pick sal rogers obviously to be the dark horse but i the only reason why i pick him over Daniel Weissel is because of the wrestling and the way and the way he closes the distance and the physical strength of it all. Now, Daniel Weissel is also to me the most technical guy in the tournament. I mean, Pat Kern was too, but like Pat Kern, the inactivity, like he's been, you know, he slipped up a little bit. Like he just he that wasn't the same fighter. But Daniel Weissel to me is the most technical guy that we have in this tournament, like to this day. And I just think that Saul is just gonna basically dictate everything that happens the pace the action and in a three-round fight i don't think daniel weissel can stop him i don't think he can i don't think he can he can't he's not gonna be able to get his combinations off fast enough before saul rogers gets to the takedown presses him to the fence lifts him and puts him on the bottom and if dale doesn't have an answer for a sweep submit get up type situation or submit mm -hmm. sweep get up type situation he's gonna be stuck on bottom just getting Obliterated. Yeah, the the question for for Daniel Weichel in my mind, it's his footwork. He has got to use his feet to move him into positions yep. to attack and to then once you attack, you're coming out, making your opponent change that angle to get to you. If he's successful doing that, which he was when he fought Pitbull the first time, you saw what he was doing with his footwork and how he was setting Pitbull up. Pitbull couldn't get to him. He was always off-centered on him, and he was just lighting Pitbull up. If he does that, that same game plan against Sal Rogers, he can win the fight. So I would say yes. And I, I, he needs to use his footwork. I agree with you on that part. But you're also you're talking about Pitbull, who has the shorter reach, also the smaller, not as big as Saul Rogers is. And the reach and range of Saul Rogers to get in on Daniel Weichel will be there. The explosiveness to get on will be there, will be there more so than Pitbull was when they fought in that first fight. Dale, you're, I agree. Dale needs to cut angles and stay on the outside of him, making sure that he can keep him at range and always changing the angles so Saul can't just shoot his double leg and drive him to the fence and get the takedown. Those angles are everything. That footwork and moving himself in and out and to the side, he does that, he can win it. If he does it and he stays in front of Sal Rogers, it's going to be a hard night for him. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Um, I got a text probably like I think the last time we talked about this tournament from Georgie Karahanian talking <laughs> to just basically sending me videos, uh, just 
really mad that I that I didn't say nicer things about him. So <laughs> the the bottom line is is he's got his hands full. He's got his hands full with AJ McKee. AJ McKee is. Did you see what Georgie Carhania said about Antonio McKee and training with Antonio and all the? He used to just tear him apart as a purple belt and. Ooh. Oh, dude, he's he's putting it out there. Ooh, ooh. He's, he's putting it out to, there. He used to tear apart Antonio or AJ? He said he used to tear apart Antonio. Oh, he man. would come to Millennia and he would just eat him alive, do whatever he wanted with him. I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah, but I, I, maybe there's some truth to it. Maybe I mean, there I, is. I, I have a hard time believing that because Antonio was extremely hard to get off you once he got you down. Yeah. I mean, you know, so that I got you see that look and, on your face, and it's the it's the grip strength that Antonio has. Yes, People, you talk about grip strength. Look, yep. that man when he grabs a hold of your wrist, you better be a strong sucker to to, to twist yep. your arm out of it. He's got just incredible grip strength, and his wrestling was it was good. He had good wrestling, and when he was on top in an MMA you know situation, grappling situation. He had good base. He was hard to move. Mm -hmm. And Georgie is not only saying, you know, stuff about grappling with him. He was talking about being in dream with him and that he got knocked out or TKO'd by Shinya Aoki. And he's, he's trying to lay foundation, if you ask me, yes. to, to get somebody mad, which yep. I like. I, mean, I think that's, hey, psychology is a big part of fighting. And if that works for you, good job by Georgie. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, it could work against you, though, too. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> it can work against That's you. That's the best part of our sport. You get to punch somebody right in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing, though. He's fought guys like AJ McKee before with Bubba Jenkins. He's had success against guys like him. Now, Bubba obviously doesn't have the stand-up that, yeah. that AJ has. And I understand, but the wrestling pedigree and the athleticism was there as well. And Georgie found ways to just stay composed and do things that the other guys were having a hard time doing against Bubba Jenkins. Mm -hmm. Now, can he do the same thing against AJ McKee? I think there is some possibility for him to do it. Uh, it depends on AJ McKee if he fights a smart fight or if he fights a careless fight. We've seen him uh, reach, overextend, put himself out of position, and Georgie likes to stay tight and composed. Doesn't really swing too wild. He has pretty good defense, you know. But I, I, I would, for me, I feel like if Georgie fights a smart fight, he has opportunities and chances to land combinations and maybe touch his chin. I'm not saying he's going to knock him out or finish him, but I'm saying the opportunities and the chances will be there if he stays composed. And if AJ fights smart and doesn't overextend and leave himself out of position like we've seen him do in the past. Well, Georgie's got power, and he's proved that, like you said, Bubba Jenkins. You know, he, yeah. First off, he choked Bubba Jenkins out the first time yes. with a guillotine choke, putting him unconscious, and then knocked him out in Anaheim when they fought the second time. He's got power in his hands. There's no doubt about that. But the range of A.J. McKee compared to the range of Georgie Karhanian, that's a big difference. And you've got, yeah. to, you've got to go through a lot of dangerous territory to get to the point where you can be dangerous mm -hmm. because just of that reach factor. And that's going to be a hard, hard area for Georgie to go through. No, I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, if A.J. fights him the way he kind of fight, he fought Pat Curran, I could see him getting the win. 
You know, he just fought smart, stayed composed, didn't do anything that put him out of position. But if he fights like he's fought some of his other guys, like in his earlier career where he left himself out of position after throwing wild side kicks or lunging right hands or left hands and leaving himself out of position, he could potentially get caught. We could see a little bit of maybe of that MVP Douglas Lima position where he just leaves himself out of position and gets caught and lights could be out. Yeah, it could be. But I, I go back and I look at, I look at the Henry Corrales fight against Georgie. I look at the Emmanuel Sanchez, both of them, but especially the last one because I thought Georgie came into that with a, with a good game plan, and it was, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Emmanuel off of his feet and make this more of a ground fight. But then he ended up on the bottom and he stayed on the bottom instead of doing like what you're talking about. I, once I hit here, it's either I'm looking for the submission, the reversal, or I'm getting up. I've got to go through that sequence, and you know, if you're not and you're staying there, you're just allowing someone to win the fight. Yep. You he cannot stay there. If, a, if AJ McKee ends up on top of Georgie, Georgie has got to make a decision. I am getting up. I am either going for a submission if it's there. I'm going for this reversal that I know that I have, or I am getting my butt up because if he stays on his back, he's not going to submit AJ, and he's going to end up losing the fight. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Yeah, he's he definitely got to get on top. Look, the the last fight, I, I like both guys a lot, but we're talking. You have the champ, champ, and you have somebody who is just I feel like, is, right now on a diff just I think on a different level than everyone else in this tournament, and that's Patricio Pitbull, like and I'm nothing against Juan Archuleta, and I think he's extremely talented. But you look at the guys that he's fought and he's beat, they're talented as well and they're good, but those guys are not at the level of the guys that Patricio has fought and beat as well. Oh, no doubt I mean, about especially it. Especially coming off the Chandler knockout. The Michael Chandler knockout, I think, now has put him in that in his ment in his mentality is that the only way I can lose to any of these guys is if I make a mistake and fight stupid. Yeah. If if he fights with that same type of focus that he had against Michael Chandler, I don't think anyone in this tournament touches him. Uh, I agree. This is in in looking at the matchup. Juan Archuleta has the tools to beat him. He does. Because if there's one thing that I've seen out of Patricio is in certain fights, he has to slow down. If he's pushed in a pace that he's not comfortable with, that's what, you know, Emmanuel Sanchez had the ability to push the pace on him and put him into some uncomfortable positions. Now, he ended up hurting Emmanuel. I had him, you know, in going into the fifth round, I had that as an even fight, and uh, he was able to hurt Emmanuel in that fifth round, and that got him the win, and he deserved it. Mm -hmm. But Emmanuel showed a blueprint towards beating Pitbull. Pat Curran showed a blueprint towards beating Pitbull also. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of if Juan Archuleta, who has a very high tempo, uh, his RPM goes way up, and he can hold that, I think at 145 pounds, he holds it way better than he did at 135. And if he can maintain a pace that pushes Pitbull past that comfort zone and makes Pitbull now start to start to overextend because he's getting tired and he wants to slow him down, that's going to start to lead towards Juan Archuleta having the chance to win this fight. If Juan doesn't do that, he can get hurt. I'm, I'm looking at a volume guy in Juan Archuleta meaning numerous shots normally are what it takes for him to put someone in a position where he takes him out of the fight. 
he, he had the one-punch knockout against Dantas, which is an ex-champion. It was a beautiful knockout. If you're looking at power, Pitbull's got the power advantage. There's no doubt you know, with his hands, yeah. he's a much stronger guy. Archuleta is going to have a very hard time taking him down because one of the things that Archuleta does very well is he chains all of his techniques together and he'll do the takedown and then he'll open up and he'll actually get off of a guy and let them get up to then come back in on him and, and hit him with more shots, take him down, back off of him again. That's one of the things I love about watching him fight. I don't think he's going to have that ability to take Pitbull down like he has other people in the past. It's going to be something that takes a lot more energy out of him and it's going to slow him down. Yeah, it's going to be harder for him to get in on that takedown. I mean, I can see him potentially trying to like knee pick him and try to knock him off balance to open up the stand up. But I think the fact that Pitbull's shorter than him is going to make it harder for him to get in on the legs at all. Just period. That'll make it. It's going to that will open up some stand up if he tries knee picking him and doing it. But he, I don't think he's just going to be able to like snatch a single and take him down. I've had the opportunity here at, at my gym to train with uh, Patricio and grapple with him and stuff, and. It's like trying to move a fucking brick, okay? It's it's it, a really big brick, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just he doesn't move, and he's his strength is unbelievable. His technique on the ground was, and I never gave him credit for his grappling. His oh no, he's a he's a great grappler. His grappling is pretty damn good, and I was yeah. and, I, and like I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but I consider myself to have pretty good jujitsu. His jujitsu, I was like, wow, you're you're a lot better than I thought you would have ever been. Phenomenal, and just the physical strength of his of his grappling as well. It really impressed me. I am um, when I when I think of that fight, is that you are right. I think if Juan can drag it into the fourth and fifth round, but he doesn't have Juan doesn't have that same aggressiveness and pace. That and what I mean by pace is the, that Emmanuel Sanchez. Emmanuel Sanchez has the pace where he walks forward and tries to put it on you. He makes you move backwards. Juan Archuleta doesn't make you move backwards. He moves around you and yep. tries to touch you here and there. But Patricio can still catch his breath and stand in the center of the cage and just kind of let you move around as long as he just turns his body and fights smart and, and, and doesn't chase after you or extend. Because like the same way with TJ Dillashaw, they move around you and they touch you, they move around you and touch you, and they're hoping that one big shot lands and then they go ahead and try to work in and finish you. A male center just walks forward. It makes you either fight forward or makes you fight going backwards. And most guys retreat, and it makes you more tired doing that. Yeah. And so I don't see. I don't. I see this. There's similar situations, but I think they're going to be different in the fourth and the fifth round. The next thing is you brought up the Dantes fight. If you if you recall, Dantes it was the 135 pound champion, not the 145 pound champion. So, and I'm telling people that because I want people to understand where I'm going with this, is that Dantes was able to move Juan Archuleta backwards in that fight, and a guy going from 135 to 145 shouldn't be able to push someone backwards. Patricio Pitbull is not going to move backwards. Patricio Pitbull is going to stand on the side of the cage, and he's going to have you kind of move around him. And when he's when you try to come in, he's going to touch you. And you better hope it's not a good one right on the chin. That guy, we saw it with Chandler. Chandler thought, oh, I'm just going to like step in and just kind of move around him. As soon as he went to step in too close, Patricio hit him, and the fight was done. I mean, that's the kind of power he possesses. And if Juan lets Patricio back him up to the fence like Dantes did up until the knockout, because his back was against the fence when he threw that Hail Mary yeah. right hook, that overhand right, which was beautifully set up and very nicely done. He did it but, before against Robbie Peralta, the exact same yep. thing, showing this like he's going for that that little knee tap, yep. brings the hand over, nice Boom. job. 
Right on the button. Beautiful. But you shouldn't be, he shouldn't be allowing someone of his size, of Dauntis' size, to back him up and do that. Because if Patricio backs you up, he's a little bit, he's not as careless as Dauntis was with his hands. No, he's being very down. controlled. And at the end of that round, at the it was and that happened at the end of that round. Yeah. And I think Dauntis thought, well, I'll just throw a couple more little things. And he you could tell he kind of let his guard down. Patricio's not that person. The year's that 10-second bell, it's go time for him. Like, okay, I can land a couple more shots and finish winning this round. That's how Patricio is. So I I don't want to take too much away from the Dauntis and the Juan Archuleta fight because they're not the same at all. And then um sure the power of the knockout was there, but I didn't look at it as a positive. As the way I think most people would have, like, oh, he knocked out a former champion. I don't look at it as positive as most people do. Um, I just feel that Patricio is at right now at a different level than everybody else in this tournament. Now, the guys that I think pose a threat to him, I think Juan does, obviously. Juan, what, 18 in, a, 18 in his last, 18 wins in his last 20 fights, I think, right? Or no, 18, well, he's, got a, on a, he's on an 18 fight win streak. He's 23 yes. and 1. There you go. Uh, but him, but I think the guys that pose a threat to Patricio are Adam Borix because of the length and the size, the flying knees. Those are things that I think lead up to the that. And then I would say, um, go ahead and say it. Come on, you know, you know who's the dangerous guy for him. Yeah, yeah, Saul Rogers. Yeah. Ah, you're so wrong, man. <laughs> yes, yes, AJ McKee. AJ yep. McKee, for sure. Yep. I think for sure, AJ McKee. But it depends on if they meet. It depends on yeah, you know, you how that all know. happens. You know, yeah. so look, I'm excited for I'm excited for the featherweight Gra World Grand Prix. That these matchups coming up. That's why I'm disappointed I won't be there for this. <laughs> but I will be in Dublin at the Jameson's uh, Mixer Class. I'll be doing that as well, and uh, I'll be at the Guinness doing the Guinness tour. So I'll be doing that as well. So um, to be honest, I actually probably won't miss you guys at all. <laughs> <laughs> we will miss you. Yes, I will I miss know. you. But I, I have a, I have a Limale. She looks way better than you, dude. I have no doubt. Way about better that. than you. No, no <laughs> doubts about that. None. And, and um, she, 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 she can, she can actually get Chael to shut up. So that's pretty good, man. <laughs> that's not, yeah, because Chael, Chael, he just talks over all of us. You know, that's part of what he does. Um, look, to me, that's this is gonna be a phenomenal card. And I think everyone should tune in on the zone. They can watch it on the zone. Make sure you guys download the app. It's nine ninety nine a month. If you guys pay for a year up front, I want to say it's like. 80 bucks, yep. 80 bucks. Yeah, There's no nice. pay-per-views. People need to understand that. There's no pay-per-view. You don't pay a pay-per-view to watch these shows, okay? You get the you get the Canelo fight with uh, Kovalev. You get those fights also that come with this. So it's not just like you're getting just Bellator. You're getting all Triple you G get, fights, you get Canelo, Canelo fights. Triple G, Anthony, Anthony Joshua. Anthony uh, Joshua you know, uh, versus Ruiz. Joshua versus Ruiz. That's the fight I'm excited to see as well. Yeah. So. Um, look, you get all those things that come along with your nine ninety nine. There's no pay per view dollars like on ESPN Plus. You got to pay for the pay per views as well as the five dollars a month. So I just want to make sure that's all clarified. People understand that. Um, but yeah, anyways, as producer Dave says, I'm taking a jab at the uh, UFC and ESPN. No, no taking just, a jab. They're making their money. That's good for them. That's yeah, I'm simply they just, just have a different plan. I'm stating facts. That's all. I'm stating <laughs> facts. Stating facts. <laughs> let's let's okay. So let's wrap this up. But let's talk about the last fight. Let's talk about Gegard Mousasi and um, Lyoto Machida. There's bad blood there. It, it's it's kind of funny because Gegard uh, definitely feels that he was cheated in their first meeting because Lyoto ended up, you know, he's at, at the time he said something about PEDs and Lyoto ended up popping and mm -hmm. spending two years, you know, on suspension. 
from USADA, and then you know, now he's matching up with him again, and, and Lyoto is saying, I'm going to knock him out, and I don't see that happening. I'm sorry. That's not... Uh, the, the last guy, you know, it, it can definitely happen, but tell me, who was, it, who was the last guy that knocked out Gegard? Uriah Hall. Uriah oh, Hall. And, and he was beating Uriah up and just opened up and got sloppy, and Uriah you know, just landed the shot. And, and, and like I said, one shot can change anything and put anybody out, but Gegard is too good. And I honestly think, you know, Lyoto's a black belt in, in uh, jiu-jitsu. He's good, but he's not good off his back. Yeah. And Gegard can put him on his back. And if Gegard puts him on his back, he's going to have a hard time. The elbows are going to come. He's going to have to try to move to get out of it. It's going to open up things. And I can see Gegard Mousasi getting a submission in this fight if he fights it in a smart fashion. Yeah, we saw Gegard with Lovato Jr., which we talked about at the beginning of this uh, show, is that there's no way that Machida is as good as Lovato Jr. on the bottom. There's no way. And so I want people to understand, we're talking about Gegard if, once he gets you down. And we saw that when he won the title against uh, Cavallo. Uh, uh, right. So against Cavallo. Uh, Rafael Cavallo. When he yeah. beat him for the title, he just utterly dismantled him. Got the takedown, oh. got to his back, and just finished and just destroyed him. And, and you saw Cavallo ended up fighting Lyoto in his first fight in Bellator. Yep. And they were on the ground quite a bit. And you could see they're... Not much difference in the two. No, nope. no. Nope. And and look, I'm telling you, man, Gegard's ground game is nasty. It is a nasty, vicious attack that is hard to stop. You know what scares me about Gegard Mousasi is that he can make 170. <laughs> I don't think he can. I know he talked about that before because he used to fight at 185 and then and said, "I can't make that. I got to go to 205." And yeah. he went to 205, became the Strike Force light heavyweight champion. Yep. And then decided, oh, I can make 185. I think if he went to 170, he wouldn't it, would be the same fighter. it wouldn't be the same fighter. It would cause him problems. He would be a TJ Dillashaw fighting Henry Cejudo, I think, is yep. what he would be. He would be someone that just was so depleted, he would not be the same guy. No, and he'd get touched by something that normally he would be able to walk through, and it, it would affect him. I just I find it fascinating because he's not a big guy. When you when we saw him standing next to Lovato Jr. and I know Lovato <laughs> Jr. is huge, but yeah. if you put him against any of the other guys, he's tall in stature, but he's not a big guy. He's small waist, small shoulders. Like he's not physically a big guy. He's just a technician. He's extremely talented all the way around. And I've been one of his biggest fans for the longest time. And uh, I think he's so well rounded. I love watching him fight in the old days. You know, over in Pride, I watch him fight. You know, uh, coming over uh, to Strike Force. You know, and being the champion there, he's just—he's always fascinated me with how how he—he's had the big dick confidence, and the big dick confidence <laughs> has carried him over into just into just being who he is, and extremely talented. And it's it's amazing to see. I I, I think Machida has a chance, oh, but yeah. Gegard's got to make Gegard's got to open that opportunity and that chance for it to happen. I don't think he will. Yeah, I, I think he's you know the fact one of the things that to me creates problems for a lot of guys is when they first fight Lyoto, they don't understand the range that he has and the way he sets things up. Because especially like the way Lyoto kicks, he doesn't kick with a lot of power, but it's very fast because he doesn't, he doesn't, ch he doesn't change his hips. Mm -hmm. He just brings the leg out. It smacks you and you're like, I didn't see that coming. And it's eventually that's how he catches you. But once you fought him, now you've at least been in there and you've had that experience that 
now I know certain things that, you know, I know what I can do. I know what's going to work for me. I think that's a big difference in this fight. No, I, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, he just got, I think with Gegard, he's just got to be careful stepping in and rushing in like a lot of guys yeah, try, you to cannot, do, try to try to. You cannot rush in on Leota. You no. do that, you are, you know, that, look at Chael. Just yeah. that was his last fight. What was Chael? Chael is a pressure fighter. Chael's a guy yeah. that gets into your grill and wants to fight in that phone booth area. You can't do that with Leota. Yeah. You got to be smart in the way that you attack him. And, you know, guys have tried in, in times, you know, Dan Henderson, when he fought, he tried to be that tactical guy against him, and it became a very boring fight for a lot of yeah. guys because Henderson was not being the attacker that he normally was, but he, he knew going in, I can't just go and attack this guy because that's going to feed him. Yeah. And it's a, it's a t he's a tough, he's a tough, you know, nut to crack, and he's got some special skills about him. But I think the fact that they have fought once before, I think that is an advantage more for Gegard than it is for Leono. Yeah, there's that. And then, like, I like to point out to people, too, that is if you guys have watched Gegard fight, when people throw punches and kicks at him, he stays defensively the same. He, he, he has that kind of Holland-style kickboxing where he doesn't really move. All of his defense is right here in front of his face and his legs. All he does is just turn his knee out a little bit here and there. Yep. He doesn't overreact. And you get that a lot with guys that don't know how to deal with Machida. And you never see him drop a hand down to a kick. Yeah. So when, exactly. So when guys try to guys try to defend against the Odo, they overreact, like reach for the leg, or they yep. reach down for the you know, and they, they try to bring their leg up high to, to check, and then he sweeps your back leg. Like they try to do things not knowing or realizing where everything's coming from, and they're not defensively strong. Where Gegard is defensively strong all the way around, and so he'll stay composed and relaxed when this when this situation happens with Machida, and I think that'll open up what he wants to do going into for the rest of the fight. Still an interesting fight. I think their first yeah. one was a five round fight, though. Okay. This one will be three rounds. Yeah, and I so. think those those type of fights I think tend to favor Lyoto, though. It does. First, you know. You know, you know, it's a matter of you looking at the three round fight. I think the three round. As far as that structure does help Lyoto, because going into the later rounds, he does now tend to get more tired. Yeah, slows down, slows his footwork down, doesn't take the angles, doesn't start to move his head, and so the three rounds is a it's a good thing for him. But I I do believe that Gegard is a different beast now, and it's going to be very difficult for Lyoto to get in on him and to do damage. And if it if it does hit the ground. I see a, I do see a, a, a big difference in their groundwork and what they do. Lyoto's good when he's on top, but off of his back, if he ends up on his back against Gegard, Gegard can be on his back against Lyoto. I don't think Lyoto can be on his back against Gegard. I, yeah, I agree 100%. Yep. I'm going to have to make a t-shirt that says I agree 100%. I think I've said that <laughs> Dude, like 10 know. times today. I think I've said that like 10 times today. That's all right. Oh, man. Well, hey, that was uh, that was great. I'm gonna wrap this up, I think, and then uh, anything else? What, what else? Is there something you want to talk about? No, I'm good, man. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm not gonna see you for a whole week. I don't know if I can handle this. You're gonna miss me, aren't you? See, oh, I yes. grow on you. I'm like a fungus. Yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are like a fungus. <laughs> Josh's socks already have plenty of that. Yeah. Ah, that's and, nasty. And, 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 and everyone at home had no idea what he just said. <laughs> um, well, hey, look, safe travels over here to the West Coast. And I Thank will, you, sir. Uh, I will see you. In, where am I going to see you next? Are you, are you going to Milan? I am going to Milan with you. I will see you in Milan then. That's All right. right. Sounds good. Have, then, a have a great time in Dublin. Huh? Monday the 30th? 
Oh, I'll see you before. I'll see you. I'll see you here before we go to Milan. I'll see you before we go there. We'll do a show the weekend after uh, we get back from LA. Okay. All right. We'll see you then. And then um, I got like hey. two days. Two days at home. <laughs> yes. Oh, hey. I want to remind everybody, okay, those you guys that are watching uh, on YouTube or listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, all those things. Uh, I want to remind you guys, we are doing a contest, okay, that will win you guys some uh, old time swag. Big John's got some old time history uh, from like the early UFC days. We've got the Bellator and Strike Force posters, all those things signed by everyone. So if you guys create like a character of us, okay, of Big John and myself, and you guys uh, submit it to, go ahead, Dave. It's contestwip at gmail.com. WIP. Wayne and Podcast. Wayne and Podcast, WIP at gmail.com. Submit your guys' uh, drawings and artwork there, and we're going to try to either put that on a shirt or use it as our opening for our show, and we will send you guys, whoever the winner is, we'll send you guys over signed swag from us as well as some histor historic uh, MMA stuff. You know, whether it's posters, T-shirts, old school T-shirts, even, even some current Bellator stuff, that's what we're trying to do. So if you guys can do that for us, Hit us up through the email, awesome. and uh, we'll get that going. And then hey, also, oh, yeah, the other thing is, why are people thinking I'm drinking? <laughs> Everyone's saying I'm sauced. I'm no, not sauced. I, that is I so think funny. It, it all it all comes down to, um, I think, because we filmed that one or two. We, we did two shows in front of your whiskey. Got uh, the whiskey bar. Got it. And yeah. I and I think you everyone, noticed all those bottles are full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because they cost so much. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm cheap. Don't, I don't want to open it up. Uh, yeah, don't want to open it. Josh is a uh, sneaky little proper twelve bottle down the side of the couch. There, uh, there you uh, go, man. Right there. There hey. we go. There we go. So, some of the old school. They, Dave and uh, my my uh, my partner uh, Sammy. They used to sit up here and tip it back. I'm not a whiskey drinker, so. Maybe when I get a little bit older and I lose more of my taste buds, I might come around. But yeah, when you when you when you finally mature, <laughs> yeah, that's what I, you're that's gonna what I've be. Heard. You know what? Wait till you take that shaker class. You're gonna go. Oh, this can be really good. Yes, I, I bet it can be, and I, I'm gonna find okay. out when I take that shaker class. All right, guys, follow me uh, at the real plunk on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also hit me up at Josh Thompson, uh, Josh the Punk Thompson. Sorry on Facebook. Follow us there, Big John. Where can they follow you? John McCarthy MMA on Instagram and Twitter. You got a question or anything, send it our way. Yep. We'll answer it for you. All right, guys. Hey, I want to thank you guys. Make sure you guys hit the subscribe button on YouTube, Spotify, uh, iTunes, all those places. Please And please hit the thumbs up on YouTube. That will share our videos to everyone else that follows MMA. And then that will show them that we'll just share videos back and forth and they can see our, see our stuff. YouTube. Huh? The best show on YouTube. The right? best show on YouTube. Also, leave us a comment in the comment section on YouTube. That that'll be awesome. So I can talk trash to you guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, you guys have a wonderful uh, evening, and we will talk to you guys soon. Later. Later, bud. <laughs>